Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Rachel. We're the creators of Plant School. Rachel's going to be teaching me, a plant novice, everything I need to know about plants, plant care, and gardening, all in a way that anyone can understand. Yeah, whether you have never touched a plant or you consider yourself an expert and you want to just learn more, this podcast is for you. And though it sounds simple, there's actually a lot to cover. So what are you waiting for? Join Join us us in in Plant plant School. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of Plant School. Today we will be talking about cacti. Mm-hmm. Cactuses. Both are right. We yeah, had to look this right? up. That's yeah, right. yeah, they're both right. A cactus care guide. So, Rachel, for those people who have never been to a desert, what is a cactus? So, a cactus is a member of the Cactiaceae family, and it contains about seventeen hundred. Right, yeah, 1,750 known species. So almost all cacti are succulents, which a succulent means they have thick, fleshy parts adapted to store water. And most cacti have fleshy stems, you know. This is where their photosynthesis occurs, which is different from most plants. Most plants, photosynthesis occurs on their leaves. Whereas cacti, their leaves are actually... Their tiny little spines, those little, what would you call them, Sam? Prickles? Needles. Thorns. Needles. Thank you. No, that's the perfect word is needles. So those tiny, those tiny spiny needle leaves help retain moisture and defend them against herbivores. Those are leaves? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? They're modified leaves. Who modified them? Uh, yeah. Evolution and the <laughs> environment. <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> yeah, so m- that's something not I I would say a, a whole lot of people know outside of the plant world, but they those little modified leaves, their needles, they help reduce airflow that's close to the cactus and they provide some shade for the cactus during those really hot summer days. I'm just imagining like a like a normal big tree like a pine tree or not a pine tree it's a bad example in this case that you have to like rake it every fall can you imagine like having to rake a cactus (laughs) all of its leaves ow and if you like stepped on (laughs) yeah but sticking up (laughs) Ooh, yeah Yeah, thank goodness i don't think they shed no yeah that would be a mess Um, But continuing on on what a cactus is, they have very shallow root systems so they can easily absorb water when it rains. Um, Many cactuses, they're ribbed or fluted, meaning they kind of go in and out like an accordion does. It allows them to expand and contract really easily for quick water absorption. So when they take up a lot of water, you know, they get a little plumper. 
those those fluted edges kind of fill out and it doesn't cause them any damage. So that's something interesting that cactuses have about them. And and like a little just factoid for you, a full-grown saguaro, which, you know, I feel like those are like the oh, what the like picturesque thing of when you think of a cactus, you know, it has those big arms mm-hmm. all over in Arizona. Um, anyways, they are said to be able to absorb about 200 gallons of water during a rainstorm, which blows my mind. That's so much water. Um, yeah. And so the name cactus comes from the ancient Greek cactos, which, uh, it was originally named by an ancient Greek philosopher and scientist named Theophrastus, and it was to describe a to describe a spiny plant whose identity was not certain. So oh, he kind of just named them that. That's uh, <laughs> they had to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So most cacti they're native to the Americas, ranging from Patagonia, not your sweater, Patagonia in South America down. They're the ones who modified the cactus. <laughs> And it goes all the way up to western parts of Western Canada. So all throughout the Americas is where most of the cacti species are native to. And, you know, most of this area is extremely dry environment, including the driest place on Earth, which is the Atacama. Oh, Sam, you have Atacama to Desert. Atacama Desert, is that right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. You lived in South America, so I trust you more than myself. Um, but yeah, so the driest desert on Earth, um, some species of cacti are able to survive there. So yeah, pretty cool. So that's what a cactus was. What's its history? <laughs> is that not its history, all the Greek stuff? and. Kind of oh, okay. its history. I just wanted to explain where the word came from and where they're native to. Oh, okay. But they have an interesting history. Um, what? Oh my gosh. What's the word of history with humans? Anthropology? Sounds right. Yeah. So, anyways, just its history with humans is really rich as well. So, early evidence of its of the use of cacti can be found in cave paintings in, oh, Sam, pronounce this for me because it is. Seja da Capibara. There we go. So that's um, a city in Brazil, and they also found it, um, oh, evidence of cacti in ancient waste dumps, <laughs> ancient porta potties in Mexico and Peru. And that date of those, you know, the cave paintings and the ancient waste dumps is about 12,000 to 9,000 years old. They're probably around earlier than that, but we just don't have any like solid evidence of it. So a lot of you probably know that cactuses have fruit on them. So they were a big food source um, for uh, ancient people. And it's, they're even used today as tasty edible fruits. And I've never tried one, though I have taken, I think it was um, some open shots, some prickly pears and their fruit, and I smeared it on my neighbor's wall. Sam, did you know this? No. 
Yeah, I... You did a lot of naughty things when you were a little kid. I did not. I did yeah. not. But this was one of the things I should not have done. Me and my cousin and my sister, we smushed up some prickly pear fruit. It's red and really, just like a really bright red. And we mm. smeared it on our neighbor's outside wall. Needless to say, they came out and were very mad. Um, in my defense, I was maybe like eight, seven. I was very little. But I've never eaten one. I need to go eat one, not smeared on someone's wall. Rachel. Oh, I have a correction for the Brazil thing. I Ooh, said okay. it right. It's actually a national park, not a city. Oh, okay. Thank Brazil. you. And it's actually really close to where I was at when I was a missionary. So, well, yeah. cool. I was probably, it was like a state away from where I was at. So, oh, okay. Not super close, but it was up in that neck of the woods, the northeast part of brazil gotcha anyways not pertinent to this but oh but it's still cool you yeah, could have gone and a... see seen ancient cave paintings of cactuses yeah which sounds intriguing it's a parque <laughs> nacional uh national park thank you sam our brazil yeah. history expert <laughs> here um so it's not known exactly how um cacti were first cultivated but Openshaws, the prickly pears, they were used by the Aztecs in the 14th and 16th century, all throughout that time. And as we know, Europeans arrived in the late 15th century, and many species of cacti were sent back to be studied, to be named. I know Carl Linnaeus, who named almost, oh, just so many plants. He named quite a few cactuses when they were sent back to him from the Americas. And yeah, like I said, there are a lot of fruit that are still eaten today. There's saguaro fruit. There's dragon fruit. I did not know that was a fruit from a cactus. Um, did you know that, Sam? No. Yeah, it grows on a cactus, and oftentimes it's in our grocery stores, like here all throughout the U.S. And then there's also the open shop pads, the prickly pear pads, which I've seen at a grocery store in like um, – those like specialty Hispanic stores. And I never have known really what to do with them. So I've never bought them, but there's a lot you can do with them. And anyways, some cacti were even used for their hallucinogenic properties. So they were used back then. I'm sure they're still used today, but some of them contain chemicals that can make you hallucinate. And then by the 1800s, uh, enthusiasts, plant enthusiasts in Europe had large cacti collections. And in the late 1800s, the fascination turned to orchids and cacti became less popular, which, speaking of orchids, is kind of a nod to what is coming up in our next episode. We'll be learning more about those. Pretty cool. Yeah. So is this an easier, hard plant to care for? So there's so many species. Like I said, there's over a thousand, almost 2000. But I would say in general, for those species that are available to the average houseplant owner, they are really easy to care for, especially if you're a forgetful person and don't water super consistently. They can handle it. They're probably not super easy with children around. 
No, we had good point. We had cactus in our backyard and pots, and my soccer ball would always go into it, and then I'd always have to be really careful. Oh goodness, yeah. So I'm like trying would to it imagine. Pop them? Yeah, they they make it pretty tough to. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, I imagine with little kids, they're a little bit harder. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. So yeah, maybe if you don't have kids or even pets, I feel like pets could stick their cute little noses in them or knock them over. That or you have to have a shelf or something that you can yeah. put it up higher. Yeah. There's always a, a way around those sort of things, though. Uh, where's the best place for it? Speaking of shelf, um, where, where, what kind of lighting do you want? Yeah. So since you know, cactuses grow in these very arid regions that have a lot of sunshine. It's pretty obvious that they're going to need very um, high amounts of light. Not always direct sunlight the entire day that can actually cause them to burn. If they're used to that, they might do a little better, but each cactus is different. So you might want to look up the specific type you have and see where it sits best, but most, if not all, need bright indirect sunlight and like bright, bright. Don't stick it in your bathroom with no windows. <laughs> Won't do so great. <laughs> and they do love having a warm area. A cooler spot in the winter promotes flowering. So I would say you don't necessarily have to move it. In general, it gets cooler in the winter for most people anyway. But if you are somewhere like, I don't know, Southern California, where the temperature fluctuation can be uh, very minimal, maybe move it to a cooler location. It will need air circulation on hot days. You don't want it to just be, you know, dying in the heat, though it does like warm weather. And you'll know if it's getting too much sunlight, if there's brown, white, red discoloration that's indicating sunburn on your cactus. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll finish up our discussion on cactuses. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Rachel, what are the best watering practices for a cactus? So most cacti um, really like it if you allow them to dry thoroughly between waterings. If you notice that your cactus shrivels, um, that means it needs water. So don't, don't soak it and just let it sit in water, obviously, but be sure to give it a little bit of water so that it can soak it up and not be 
shriveled. Um, and if it has, if you notice like mushy spots on it, that's rot from overwatering usually. And to help with this, you can repot it and cut away the rotted roots. You kind of pull out your plant carefully. You're going to need some gloves and wash away the soil, cut away those rotted roots and put it into new soil. Um, yeah, throw away your old soil that you had where it rotted. And overwatering can also be manifested when a cactus splits. So it will literally like kind of split open. And that just means you need to slow down on the watering for a bit. It's getting too much to the point where it's busting open. Okay. What soil is best for your cactuses? So if you think of its native environment um, and where it grows, it's, you know, growing along coasts or in these very arid areas. So they need a soil that is pebbly, sandy, porous, has really good drainage and aeration. So at your store, your local hardware store, you can find pre-made cactus soil mix. That works just fine. You can also make your own, which is probably cheaper to do. And there's a lot of there's a lot of great soil recipes out there. One I came across was using one part soil, one part sand, and one part gritty material, such as pebbles. Some people even used like clay pot shards as sort of that gritty material. And it basically though, if your cactus is a desert species, you are going to want to find sand, grit, and soil and have a good mix of those. But if you have a tropical cactus, you want to use something more like peat with your soil. So yeah, just peat. keep that in mind. Yeah. Not not like someone named peat, but peat as in like it's like <laughs> decayed vegetation or organic matter. It's yeah. Usually like they, um, what's the word? They get it from like bogs, from like wetlands. It's just very rich, rich soil. Okay. Not someone named Pete. Not someone named Pete. Okay. How would you go about repotting a cactus without <laughs> poking your thumbs too much? Yeah. So use some gloves. I've heard that wrapping it in newspaper is a really great idea. And before you go and repot something, just know that a smaller pot can help encourage flowering. Plants in general, houseplants in general, if you put them in a pot that is too big, it's not ready for it, just makes it so there's soggy soil sitting all around it. The roots aren't there to soak any of it up. And usually it will, your plant will get root rot very quickly and die. So that's why you just need to be careful not to put it in a large pot when repotting. You know, just maybe half inch to an inch bigger than what you're used to. For cactuses, I would say every two to four years is a good rule of thumb for when you should be repotting it if it's having really good growth. And if you are changing its pot when doing this, terracotta pots are preferred for cactuses and also for succulents because terracotta pots, they're, they're porous. They kind of have a breathability factor where, you know, air and water 
kind of comes in and out mm-hmm. more easily than just like a plastic pot. So that is beneficial for um, cacti. Okay. Um, what what kind of pests are they usually prone to? Yeah, there's quite a few. So most often mealybug or scale. I've also heard that red spider mites can be a problem. They'll come in just like large masses and create webbing around cactuses. And sometimes thrips can be on the flowers. Uh, Fungus gnats. And if they're outside, slugs and snails can also get to them and eat their roots. And then, of course, there's always root rot in in their soil. But, yeah, if you deal with those insecticides can work to get rid of them. You can remove them manually with a cactus. It's just a little bit harder. I know people can use tweezers to kind of get in there and pull uh, different insects off. But yeah, cactuses kind of kind of one of the hard ones to get it rid of pests. Tedious to have to pull bugs off with tweezers. Yeah. Talk about eye hand coordination. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, the game operation. <laughs> More like game of stress me out. <laughs> that is the tweezers. game of operation. <laughs> That's a stressful game. Yeah. yeah, I would. Yeah, I guess if you have those problems, I would just go for like an insecticide, something you can spray on and get them gone. Okay. Yeah. How would you fertilize it? How often? What kind of fertilizer? Yeah, they don't need a whole lot. Um, I would say once a year is fine, maybe two. If it's just growing really strong, you don't want to fertilize it if nothing's happening, if nothing's growing. And as far as what kind to use, so each fertilizer has an NPK value listed on it. And for cacti, it's preferred to use a 5-10-5. So it's higher in phosphorus. They don't need a whole lot of nitrogen, which is that first number. And you can use a 10-10-10 fertilizer. That's one of the more common ones you'll find. And that's totally fine. Just be sure to dilute it down because it it just doesn't need a whole lot. Okay. That's pretty simple. Yeah. How would you go about propagating your cactus? Yeah, so there's lots of ways. Um, I think they're kind of fun to do. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail because I feel like that could be an entire uh, podcast episode, but you can propagate them via seed, by cuttings, or grafting them. Sam, are you familiar with what grafting means in the plant world? Uh, Yes, from from my old Bible studies. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, From, yeah, so isn't it basically you're taking part of a branch of another plant and tying it on basically to the other plant? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's basically it's taking one piece of one plant and putting it with another piece of another plant and you can graft them together. It's not something you can do willy nilly with like, you can't take like a I don't know. You can't get a peach tree and put it in your cactus, of course. You know, it has to be usually within the same uh, family of plants. So cactuses are really cool because a lot of them can be kind of grafted together. And so commercially, when, you know, growers are just 
popping out these cactuses to sell. They are most often grafted. It's probably the easiest for them to do. And this is just a fun little stat. 49 million plants were propagated in Korea. This is just the Korean cactus market. This was in 2002. And a majority of that was grafting. And the market for just those cactuses in Korea is $9 million. Isn't that crazy? You don't think about the market for cactuses, but... It's an awful profit margin, though. $49 million. $49 million mm. to only have $9 million value. It's like it's like a dollar an hour. It's less <laughs> than a dollar an hour. Oh, that's true, but it's like, you think about it's like how quickly... 12 cents and... <laughs> a <laughs> uh, plant you think about how quickly it can happen slice one off put it on you know 49 million times when's the last time you did something 49 million times other than breathe oh i don't know <laughs> you know i feel like i've told my three-year-old no 49 million times today but <laughs> well imagine only getting paid 9 million for the 49 that's pretty good <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for pointing that out. I thought that was cool. I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. But you're right. For how many plants they're doing, maybe not so much. Yeah, Don't they're... go in the cactus business, maybe. Yeah, I guess it all depends how many you can do in an hour yeah. to make it worth it. But if you're only able to do like, I don't know, like 20 in an hour, you're not even going to make... <laughs> <laughs> you're that's gonna pretty make dismal. Like two bucks or something, three bucks. Yeah. Um, and that's math on the spot. I have no idea if I'm right or not. <laughs> How would you go about transplanting prickly pears? This was a question from my mom. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. So she submitted this question a while ago. Um, that's probably why she doesn't listen anymore. So yeah. So we didn't just get Ticked around off. to it till now. Yeah. So we do listen to your guys' questions and try and include them as quickly as we can. So this was one she asked, oh no, this past couple months. She'll probably text me tomorrow and be like, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> your mom That's how she sounds when like she texts. No, <laughs> no she does not. Uh, yeah, so she wanted to know, because she has some, you guys have some prickly pears outside, right? I have no idea. They're cactuses, cacti. They have those big round like pads. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So those are prickly pears. They, I don't know if they're still there. Oh, okay. Are they still there? I don't know. I haven't all taken I know inventory is, of your. All I know is we had two pots in our backyard. They were oh, like... they were in there. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't know then. Yeah. Anyways, One well. Ready. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> if. Sam's mom, if you still got those prickly pears and you're wondering how to transplant them, this is what you do. And this will kind of give you guys an idea of just what it entails to propagate a cactus. If you have one outdoors or your neighbor does and you you know, want to ask them if you can have a piece to propagate yourself, this is how you would go about it. So it is recommended to do it on a cool evening just because they're they're less likely to lose a whole lot of water, you know, when it's hot in the middle of the day. Define cool. Oh my goodness. Um most of the time these are in deserts where it's really, below really sixty hot. degrees. Okay, good luck. <laughs> I don't know. Just not in the heat of the day. 
That's all. That's all I'm So asking. not in May through October. Yeah. <laughs> Just Sam, stop. Cool okay. evening. <laughs> okay. Anyways, find a healthy pad of prickly pear. And you want it to be around six months old. I don't know how you're going to figure that out. I don't it. <laughs> how old are you, little prickly pear? <laughs> anyway, so you're going to cut it at the natural seam at its bottom, you know, where that pad ends. And you're going to let it scab over for seven to ten days. You'll just let it sit inside where it's not too hot, it's not too cold. And then once it's scabbed over, you're going to get some well-draining soil and push it about halfway down to one-third down, like, of the pad, one-third of to one half of the pad of prickly pear will be in soil and the callus edge you want down where you cut it off. So you'll just kind of press it in there so it stands up on its own and you're going to water it, keep it in a warm room with filtered sunlight. Just water when the top inch of soil is dry. Don't give it way too much. And when you start to have new growth, you can start to move it to full sunlight to kind of acclimate it to full sun. And that's especially important if you are wanting to have this plant back outside in your yard or in a, in a pot outside. So um, you at least want to keep it inside for about a year, which seems like a long time. Um, but I feel like it'll probably pass quickly. It'll just sit there and you'll not forget it, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say you'll forget your plant. But anyways, once it's been a year, you'll transplant it back outside if you wish to. You just want to do it when the soil is about 60 degrees or warmer and put it in an area that does get full sun, that does have well-draining soil so that it can survive. And that's how you would go about transplanting it. Huh. Speaking of forgetting plants, I haven't even touched my snake plant. I saw it the other day, and it's still alive. Oh, SJ, that's because I'm the one who waters No. <laughs> no, you're not. I told you not to touch it. Okay, well, next time it needs some water, I'll go and bug you in your work day. No, you don't need to do that. <laughs> okay, and, I'll keep watering it. <laughs> I was looking, I was like, wow, I haven't even looked at this thing. It is doing great. And it looks which, great. Which, you know, a snake plant is a succulent. Maybe if we get a cactus, which is also a succulent, it would do really well under your care. Then huh? I'll teach Jack not to touch the plants. Oh, I don't want to think about, <laughs> I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about having to get needles out of his fingers without him yeah, wiggling around and squirming and screaming. Mm -mm. Anyways. Happy what, a, what a lovely image <laughs> to end this podcast on. Anyways, thank you all for listening. Um, next episode, Rachel did an interview with Clint. Clint <laughs> of like... Orchid's Dynasty, right? Orchid Dynasty, Orchid yeah. Orchid Dynasty. And that this was something that people asked for, and it was it was just such a fun conversation. So knowledgeable, so much better than I could have done because orchids is such a huge, broad spectrum. So I was not really on the call. Stuff. That's why I didn't know who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Sam was doing the important business of keeping our children busy Alive and happy. Yeah.
So not letting we them hope touch you cactuses. Yeah, exactly. We hope you guys enjoy next week's. Thank you for listening to this week's episode as well. See ya. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or Pocket Cast. Also, you can follow us at Tinny Plants on Instagram, Pinterest, or YouTube. Once again, that's Tenny Plants, T-E-N-N-E-Y Plants. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, email us at tennyplants at gmail.com. Or if you're on YouTube, go ahead and comment below and don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.